Well, the reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 12, and it's on page 1153 in the Red Bibles. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have an equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I wonder whether you've ever been to a large gathering of the church, not just like a large gathering here, but a, a large event where multiple people from multiple local churches have all come together to celebrate who God is. Probably one of the experiences of that that sticks in my mind the most was in 2017 when I went to Royal Albert Hall for the Holy Trinity Brompton Leadership Conference. And uh, there were about 6,000 people in this iconic venue in the heart of London. And uh, they had an amazing stage set up. As we actually walked from the train station towards the Royal Albert Hall, they had volunteers stationed all along the way in bright t-shirts holding signs saying welcome uh, and directing us to where the Royal Albert Hall was because they knew there were people from all over the world who'd gathered for this occasion. And so as we uh, had these uh, sessions, there was amazing times of worship where you could feel the presence of God in the room. There were uh, people who did uh, preaching and inspired us uh, and as they unpacked the Word of God. There were people who gave testimonies about how God had worked 
either in their church or in their own particular life. And I remember uh, hearing about an inmate in a prison who'd come to faith through Alpha and through his conversion, he converted one of the uh, prison guards. And when when the, the inmate got out of prison, they both ended up attending the same church. There was amazing experiences. And that was a profound experience in my own journey uh, in ministry because it gave me a vision of what the church could be, which is known by God's presence and focused on Jesus and more people coming to know Jesus. So I wonder who gets the credit for that event. Is it the, the, the worship team who kind of through the way in which they led the, 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 the music, that they set the tone and atmosphere for it? Is it the creative team who, who laid it all out? Is it the people who we never saw who are in the back end doing all the organisation and doing all the grunt work behind the scenes? Or is it kind of Nicky Gumbel and Pippa Gumbel who led the whole uh, thing from the front and were kind of like the point leaders that did it? In a way if we actually think about the teaching that we've just read from uh, St Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Nicky Gumbel could take credit for the event on behalf of the body of Christ doing what the body of Christ was meant to do. I think the teaching of Paul is that everybody wins when everyone wins. When everybody wins, everybody is, is honoured, everybody is uh, moving where God wants them to be, when one person wins, when one person is honoured, when one person succeeds. So in a way, I mean, some of us would kind of say, well, theologically, God gets the credit. But even if Nicky Gumbel and Pippa Gumbel were to take credit on behalf of the body of Christ... They could, if they were not receiving that honour personally, but receiving that honour on behalf of the church and making sure that everybody, even the people in the back room, got a pat on the back for the credit that was due for the whole team that put it together. And so we have this understanding from Paul's letter that there is one body, but there's many parts of this one body. In chapter 11, Paul has actually been seeking to tackle some of the tribalism that has been happening in the church in Corinth. There's been divisions, particularly as they've come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and those who had a lot of wealth and a lot of status were trying to get the privileged position within the church, and they were bringing more resources and keeping it for themselves. So when it comes to celebrating the wine, well, they had the best wine, but they didn't share it with the people who had no wine. And those who had great bread didn't share it with those who didn't have bread. And Paul is coming to say, well, the church needs to come together and not have these divisions within itself. And so here in this chapter, Paul taps back into that tribalism and that division that he sees in the church and uses the image of a body to say that there can't be any division within the body. Now, I'm not going to cover the, the end bit about spiritual gifts, but just to note that Paul is in this also saying that there's some divisions that are arising because of some people who think some spiritual gifts are better than other spiritual gifts. 
And division is arising because those who are able to go into a trance-like state and speak a foreign language, which we now call speaking in tongues, they were elevated and thought, well, they're the ones who are more spiritual. And those who maybe helped put the whole thing together and, and cared for the poor and cared for the needy, that was given less status. Because remember, the church in Corinth is in the, the town of Corinth where status and wealth is the thing that matters. And so those who could speak were in tongues, put themselves in a more spiritual category, and those that were considered helpers are not considered to be as spiritual. And so Paul wants to say that all of these are for the common good, and there should be no division amongst the body because of these. And so Paul turns to this image of a human body, something that is an image that all of us might be able to identify with. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of the many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, so it is with the church. So imagine a heart trying to say, well, I'm the most important part, I can exist without everything else. Well, we possibly know a little bit more about anatomy than the original Corinthians did, but they weren't ignorant of these things. I mean, they, they don't have the medical understanding that we do today, but they weren't ignorant of how a body works. So they would know that without a heart, the whole body would cease to exist. But we would perhaps might know that if the heart was to say, lungs, we don't need you, 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 don't, you don't belong to the body, well, we would know, well, unless the lungs are sucking in oxygen, the heart doesn't have any oxygen to pump around the body. Likewise, imagine if the feet were saying, well, we're the most important things, we're going to walk around without the heart and the lungs. Well, without the heart and the lungs drawing in oxygen and pumping it around the body, the, the, the feet won't actually get any energy from the oxygen to be able to move. So Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, what, you, what is seen as valuable in the eyes of the secular society in Corinth, the pagan society in, in Corinth, should be different to what is seen as valuable within the church. And all those people that are different need to be included. All those who are different and maybe even of lower status need to be included in the church. Paul wants everyone in the church to be seen as valuable and wants them to be seen as included, even though they're different. Paul is not expecting everybody to look the same. He's not asking for uniformity, he's asking for unity and inclusion. That's why he's got this image of one body, yes, but many parts. And so, when we look at the church today, I think we can be honest and say that this perhaps is a message for the church today as much was at church for in Corinth because we see tribalism in our church and we don't even have to go we don't even have to go to other denominations we can just look at the Anglicans in Melbourne because the evangelicals criticize the liturgical people the social justice people criticize the evangelicals for not being out on the street enough and even if we look at the way in which we've had debates in the Anglican Church over both the role of women and the inclusion of people from the LGBTQI community, both of those signs of division have been public and shown that the unity of the body of Christ is not there to the members of the public. So yet, even 
though there is this division sometimes in our, sec- in our contemporary church, we know that when the church comes together, there is a great witness of the body of Christ to the world. And, and there, there are many examples that we could look at for unity in the church. But think about the way in which uh, churches of all types has used the Alpha program to share the gospel with people. There are Anglican churches, yes, because Holy Trinity Brompton that started the Alpha program is an Anglican church, and so there are Anglican churches that have used Alpha. But there are also Roman Catholic churches that have used Alpha very, very effectively. There are Orthodox churches, there are Pentecostal churches, there are a whole range of denominations that are all using the Alpha program effectively, and the way in which all of those churches come together under the same program shows a sense of unity in the body of Christ. There are people who are English speakers, there are Spanish speakers, there are people in African languages and all types of languages that use the Alpha program. And just recently, um, I think within the last week, Alpha International launched a a new video series uh, filmed in Mandarin uh, for Mandarin-speaking people to come to know Jesus. But my reports say that it was actually funded by people in Australia. So here is the body of Christ, Australian Christians, funding a program that's going to reach people in countries all over the world who speak Mandarin with the gospel, rather than uh, drawing resources just to protect Australia, they're actually making sure that it blesses all people. Alpha reaches young people through the youth Alpha series, but also reaches old people who maybe gave up on the faith Uh, because it wasn't something that they appreciated younger and now as they re-evaluate their life they've come to understand it more. And so all people come to worship Jesus, encounter the Holy Spirit and give glory to God. Alpha is a great example of what can happen when the body of Christ comes together. I wonder how you've experienced the body of Christ coming together. I wonder whether you've experienced a time where you've seen churches, local churches working together to see the message of Jesus promoted and that's been a great witness. I wonder when you felt the unity of the global body of Christ rather than divisions. But Paul shifts to this image of one suffers, all suffers. Paul talks about if one part suffers, every part suffers If one part is honoured, then every part rejoices with it. Paul wants to challenge the drive within the Corinthian culture towards status and wealth. Rather than seeking the best for everyone, the Corinthians have been seeking the best for themselves. They've been thinking about how they can look better, how they can get more status, how they can get more prestige. And the poor and the needy have been neglected. And rather than being served and included, they've actually been isolated, even within the church. And that's what Paul is writing to challenge them with. I don't know about you, but we all know the experience, don't we, of having either bad footwear or bad socks or a stone in our shoe. We could be walking around the city. I bought a new pair of of socks and they were like wearing sandpaper. I obviously needed to wash them first and soften them up before I I had worn them. But as I walked around the city, all I could think about was these 
socks feel like sandpaper. My whole experience of walking around the city and what I was meant to be doing going out to dinner with some people was kind of ruined because all I could think about was how bad these socks were. We know, don't we, in the physical body, when one part of our body suffers, the whole body suffers. We can't say that our brain is having a great time when our chest infection might be happening. Our whole body uh, suffers when we suffer. And so that's the image that Paul knows that the Corinthians will understand. So he says, apply that to the local church. Apply that to your community. When one part of the body suffers, all people need to come around and support them and encourage them and lift them up. So we know what it's like sometimes when one of our congregation have had a loved one die. We rally around them, don't we? We don't really kind of say, well, I know it's what it's like for you to suffer. No, we don't say that because that's kind of trying to actually be them. We don't want to actually be them. We want to accompany with them as they go through their suffering, grief and loss. So we might call them up, we might visit them, we might give them a meal, we might see if we can help them in any way. We also know what it's like when someone needs our prayer and they're going through a hard thing. Maybe they're going through some tests and I've seen some of that recently in, the, in, in our church where people have, have had some tests on the horizon and people have rallied behind and prayed for them. And then they've checked up with them about how those test results came back. It's great to see the body coming together and supporting one another, knowing that when some people who in our body and in our church suffer, that we some way have some sense of suffering with them as well. Now, it's not the same as going through it. And again, Paul is not asking us to all be identical. He's not asking us all to be the same. He's asking us to be understanding of the different parts and how they're going through different things. But then we can understand that maybe there's an example for us in the, in the wider church. Because we can think how, we can sort of really focus on the body just being our congregation, can't we? And if we were looking at that, then I was at Deanery this week and, and I was kind of saying to people, well, actually, St. Columns is doing quite well. Compared to some other churches and some other colleagues that I know, we're doing quite well. We, we, we've maybe seen a little bit of our dip in numbers since 2019, but we're able to keep paying our bills, we keep able to share the gospel with people, we're able to keep doing the live streaming for those who are at home. We're doing quite well. But that's not what Paul's calling us to. He's calling us to understand how some parts of the body are suffering. So I know some colleagues in the western suburbs where they weren't even full-time in 2019, but after COVID, they're even less full-time. They're churches that are actually as big as us or even bigger, and they can't afford a full-time ministry team. They can't even afford to keep paying their bills and, and they're at serious risk of looking at closing. And to put it into perspective, in the deanery that I went to on, Tuesday, on Wednesday, which is basically Kew, Hawthorne, Camberwell, it has the same number of churches as Werribee to Backers Marsh. And you think some of those churches are struggling to survive after COVID. So when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. 
If one church closes because they can't afford to pay their bills, it's not good enough for us to just say, well, well, we're okay here in Hawthorne. I don't know what we would do to help those churches out, but we do at least have to be praying for our other churches. Jesus used the image of the shepherd who loses one sheep and goes to find that one sheep, leaving the 99 to go and find the one. But in some churches in Melbourne, it's more like they're leaving the 50 to go and find the 50 that have gone. They've halved the, the congregation. So as one part of the body, the church in Melbourne suffers, all of us suffer. But then Paul uses this image of uh, we need to give honour where honour is due. He says if one part of the body is honoured, then every part of the body is honoured. And Paul uh, has actually, in 2 Corinthians, actually gives an example of honouring someone. He says, in the midst of severe trial, the church in Macedonia, who he's talking about here in 2 Corinthians 8, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in such rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Paul is giving honour to the churches in Macedonians to inspire the church in Corinth. Paul is saying that when one part of the church is honoured, all of us are honoured, but also it encouraged all of us to see how we can serve. So it's not just the pastoral care of those who are suffering, it's actually telling stories about people who are succeeding in their role of the mission of God in order that all of us feel encouraged in that. So in the, in the situation in Corinth, rather than feeling a desire for status, Paul is actually saying, well, what if you celebrate one part of the body as a way of all of you seeing that as a sign of your success. When one part of the church is celebrated, the whole church should feel as though they're successful. As we think of the success of other people, do we sometimes get more competitive and think, well, how come they got the accolades? I actually, you know, I've been successful as well. No, we should celebrate all people and think about all of us taking some sense of honour when one of the people in our church is honoured. Because when one part of our church wins, everybody wins. And the role of the church is not just to have an amazing Sunday here. The, the part of the, the church that's probably the most important is to think of our sphere of influence. You see, I think one of the things that COVID probably taught us, because we couldn't meet in the building, was that sometimes in the church we'd just gotten so focused on what we did on Sundays. It was about doing a great Sunday service. But actually one of the big successes of the church is what we do on Monday and beyond. It's how we go out into our sphere of influence. So God has placed each part of the body together and each one of them just as God wants them to be placed. So God has placed you in this church for a particular reason, to serve for some reason. Not just our church, but in your sphere of influence. Think about our sphere of influence as a church. Well, you might think, well, we look around the room and we kind of count up the numbers that we've got here today. We maybe add the figures of the people speaking online and we might say, well, that's our sphere of influence. But it's not quite accurate, is it? Some of us go to a workplace 
tomorrow and what we take from here goes into our workplace and we impact those people. Some of us go out to places of study and how we involved in study, that impacts them. And if we think about how we go and engage with our community, our family, our friends, the way in which we impact people is a sign of the success of this church. So if we're uplifting somebody on Sunday and they can carry that out into their Monday, that's a sign of the influence of the church. And so if we think about, well, maybe, maybe some of us impact 20 people in our week, maybe some of us impact 50 people in our week, maybe some of us have interactions with 100 people in our week. The multiplication effect of that means that this small group of people that gather in the room today actually impact thousands during our week. And I think sometimes the church has missed the understanding that what we do here on Sunday should actually fuel us for what we do on Monday. It's actually the sign of success about how we take what we hear on Sunday and take it out into our world, our sphere of influence. So, if somebody is built up in the church on a Sunday and they take that out to their sphere of influence and they're successful in their sphere of influence, then perhaps maybe we should take some appropriate level of pride in that, some appropriate sense of honour in that. That if we're able to help somebody to in their workplace, then that's a sense of us doing our role as the church. And so we see this principle based in the ministry of Jesus. Because when we look at what Jesus did in the Easter story, we see that Jesus represented the best of our humanity through his life and ministry. We also see that Jesus represented us on the cross, taking our place on the cross. And we also know that when Jesus rose from the dead, that's a foretaste of the resurrection that we'll all participate in. Jesus takes our place on the cross and in resurrection. And it's a very bodily image. What happened to Jesus on the cross is a very bodily image, but that bodily image, like Paul, represents all of us. And Jesus' resurrection, whilst it's a very bodily image, like Paul, it represents all of us. Jesus' body on the cross and resurrection is also a metaphor for us being made right with God through Jesus and the resurrection being something that we can participate in. And so, we are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to not just think about our own particular faith, our own particular spiritual nourishment. We're called into the body of Christ to think about how the body of Christ is something that we participate in for the building up of others. And so, if we're to take Paul seriously, there's not meant to be any division in the body of Christ. So, there shouldn't be some of the tribal arguments that we see in the church today. There shouldn't be any uh, traditional worship versus contemporary worship debates. There shouldn't be any difference between those who maybe focus a little bit more on the charismatic and those who like intellectually rigorous um, engagement with the Scriptures. There shouldn't be any divide between those who see themselves on the front line of social justice and those who see themselves on the front line of evangelism. 
There shouldn't be any divide between those who have built our churches and have given to the church for years and those who are young in the faith. There shouldn't be any divide between those who like liturgical church with all the bells and whistles and those who kind of like a very low, flat approach to liturgy in order that it's not a hurdle that other people have to encounter. And there shouldn't be any divide, a contemporary issue, there shouldn't be any divide between the engagement of women in the church and those who take another view. Perhaps the challenge for the church in this season and beyond is those who seek to welcome people from the LGBTQ community and those who seek to reject the people from that community. We are all part of Christ's body, but we're not the same. Paul's not calling us to be the same. He's actually saying that God designed His church with diversity for a purpose. And so, let's seek to have that diversity represented in our church, in this body. Each part of the church is here for special reasons. Paul wants diversity in the church and Jesus wants diversity in his body. So imagine if we could get this right. Imagine if we could be a local church that represented the diversity. Imagine if we could represent the diversity even just of the local community, the people who vote differently to us, think differently to us, if somehow we could create a local church that was reflective of all the people that are welcomed into the body of Christ, which through God's grace is everybody. Imagine if we could do that. I think that would be a wonderful thing for us to give our time and attention to. So, as we unpack a little bit more about Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians... I hope that we understand that the Holy Spirit has blessed each one of you for the building up of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. I hope that you understand that that you don't have to look like everybody else in order for you to fit in here because God's placed you and your unique distinctiveness here for a particular reason. I hope you understand that we're not quite complete until we have even greater diversity here in the body, that everybody feels welcome. And next week, we're going to turn our attention to the idea of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And and whilst it it might be used as a a wedding uh, Bible reading, Paul is actually showing us that it's actually the model for us and how we're to love one another as we build up the body. So, let me pray for us.